Well, I want to introduce to you uh, Brother Jimmy Harris, James Harris, Jimmy Harris. He, he's, from, <laughs> he's from Galena, Missouri. He's the first Baptist church pastor of Galena, Missouri. Amen. Amen. And so, Brother Jim, uh, Jimmy, I've asked him if he would to kick our roundtable discussion off tonight. We're going to be looking at uh, the 144,000 witnesses and the two witnesses and so forth. And uh, I've just enjoyed my time with Jimmy. He does such a good job. And uh, I appreciate him. And uh, amen. And, uh, you know, it's just a blessing. You know, here I am Pentecost and he's Baptist and you can't tell us apart. Except he's, he's taller. I'm a little taller. I would say that we're the odd couple, but, you know, nowadays that's not a good term. <laughs> so I'm going to turn. We, we are going to have open discussion here in a little while, but I did ask uh, Jimmy if he would k kick it off tonight, and we'll be looking at some beautiful stuff tonight and learning from the scriptures. Amen. But Jimmy, Amen. I'm glad to do yours. it. I'm, I just I love doing this. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to a chance to doing it some more later. We get through the holidays. It's, it's been a great thing. I, I love sitting around and talking about the Bible. I love talking about the Bible to your pastor and Pastor Josh also. I mean, James is a great man. You have a great pastor. There is a great pulpit ministry here at this church. I'll pay you after service. <laughs> well, you know... I was coming here a long time before you before you realized that I was me. Because <laughs> I used to come in here on Sunday nights and sit back over there in the back when I didn't have somewhere else I was supposed to be uh, because I just love the Bible teaching. And the, the pulpit ministry is the most important thing in a church. You can have great music, you can have great fellowship, but without a great pulpit ministry, you're nothing but a social club. And so... Sure. Uh, you know, I just, <laughs> That's true. I believe it's true. And uh, so anyway, uh, Paul says a strange thing when he's talking to the, the men of Athens on Mars Hill. And, uh, and he says that, uh, you know, that, that God did not leave. He says, God left not himself without witness. There is always right. a witness for God. Yes. Uh, the witness that is always there. And the way he's revealed himself is what I call the three C's. He revealed himself through creation. Yeah. Then he revealed himself through conscience. Yes. And then he revealed himself through Christ. Yes. Which is the which is the way we get saved. That is the uh, yep. what they would call the efficacious revealing of himself. And uh, but he he's had plenty of witness before before Christ. Before Mount Sinai, yeah. before the law, he had witness of himself in creation, and he called people. And we know that Abraham is not the only one he called because Abraham met old Melchizedek he out did. on the road yes, there did. at Sodom who knew the same God. Yep. And so uh, God has been revealing himself in, in, in Hebrews in various and sundry ways. And that's what the book of Revelation is about. It is revealing. It's not a hiding. And people say, well, I can't understand Revelation. And then I would say, well, you need to read it because it's the revealing, not the it covering is. up. Yep. It's, to, it's to show what's going on. And uh, just because uh, 
just because we may not understand every little thing, every little point in it is no excuse not to study. Um, in the, the, the fifth, the sixth seal has already been uh, unsealed here in the book of Revelation yes. at the end of chapter 6. And that is where there was a great earthquake and, you know, the sky became black and uh, the moon looked like it was blood and there was earthquakes and rumblings and tumblings and mountains falling together. And then all of a sudden we take a pause and we move from the earth back up into heaven again. And in chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, it's like a parenthesis. It's like, well, before we, this happens before they blow the seven before they undo the seventh seal, before they open the seventh seal, which unleashes the seven trumpet judgments. Before that, and after the sixth seal is unsealed and loosed, we have in verse one of chapter seven, and after these things, I, John, yep. I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth. And I saw another angel ascended from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. Now, they've been whipping up on the earth pretty good all the way yes, through chapter have. 6. It's, they've absolutely. done it six times. You know, we've had death. We've had famine. We've had pestilence. We've yes. had war. We've had false apostles, false prophets, false Christ. We've had all this turmoil. We've had earthquakes. We've had floods. Uh, you know, you, if you think uh, uh, nobody is going to be a climate denier when this happens That's true. in the language of uh, the people on TV, <laughs> yeah. because the weather's going to be changing so drastic that uh, it's going to be daylight in the middle of the night and it's going to be dark in the middle of the day. And uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. You think what's going on now is we're just hanging around a while, except don't. Right. Don't hang around. Let's go. You know, we used to say all the time, uh, you know, the good, uh, on the Grand Ole Opry, they'd say, we'd be back next week, you know, good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. And now we got to say, good Lord willing and the church don't rise. Because yeah. <laughs> it could sure rise before I see you again, but I'll see you in heaven if I don't see you here. And, it, and, it, and the, the angel said, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now, what does this remind you of? It, it reminds me of where Paul writes that the Holy Spirit is our, our escrow, our earnest, our down payment on our salvation. And so that we are sealed with yes. the Holy Spirit yeah, we are. unto the day of redemption. Yep. And you got to remember, Paul, he only knew two days. He knew today. And he knew that day. Yep. And that day is the day that Jesus comes back for us in the rapture. He says, for I know whom I have believed. Yep. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. day. Yeah. And so this is what we're talking about. These people are sealed. Now, I don't know how because it doesn't explain how. But they're going to hold up on this seventh, seventh seal until they get these people sealed. He said, it hurt not the earth, 
Stop all this commotion that's going on. Don't kill anybody else. Don't hurt anything else. Don't mess with the sea. Don't mess with the trees until we seal the servants of God in their forehead. Don't touch a blade of grass. Not even one. And who is sealed during this age, during the church age? Us. Me and you and every other blood-bought believer. We've been sealed in our foreheads. We have almost, almost as if in, in the same sense that, uh, that when the death angel came to destroy the firstborn in Egypt, the ones that had the blood on the doorpost, he went on by it. Remember that song, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass yep. over you. Well, by the same token, God, and it, there's many illustrations in the New Testament about us. When he sees us, he sees the blood of Jesus, cleansing us of all sin. But another thing he also sees is he seals us sealed by the Holy Ghost. Because yes. God himself is living inside of us. And so uh, bear that in mind when we talk about sealing these servants. Now there's a remnant out of Israel that's going to be sealed. These aren't Gentiles. They're not aliens like on the History Channel. Right. Uh, they're not ancient aliens. Uh, they're, not, they're not angels. They are Jews. They are from every tribe. And, and I tell you what, there's probably nobody that knows uh, in, in, in all of Judaism and all of the Israelites in the world today, there's no one that knows what tribe they belong to. All that was lost a long time ago. But God knows yes, he does. which tribe that they're in, even though they don't. Uh, it's just like, it's just like me. God knows everything about me. He knows all of my ancestors all the way back to Adam. He knows right. every one of them. Amen. He knows my genealogy. And you don't have to go to Salt Lake and sit in that library for several days to find out who your great-grandpa was. Yeah, I think all that's online now, but I knew people 40 years ago used to make those trips to Salt Lake City yeah. to get into those genealogies. So don't worry about what tribe, because God knows which tribe. Now, just quickly, I'll just read through this quickly, and then we'll have a, a couple of caveats here. It says in verse 4, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Now, if you have a JW come and knock on your door, you know, and they'll start telling you about the 144,000 and that you, gotta, you want to be one of them, well, I don't think we can because we're going to be in heaven. Yep. And so we couldn't yep. be one. And, uh, and uh, I'm thinking, it's really funny. They believe it's hard to be one of the 44,000, but I never, I never met a Jehovah's Witness who didn't think he was one of the 40, 144,000. So yeah. <laughs> it's just like people who believe that uh, – uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. I'll just go right back to the script here. That's what you do. That's what I do when I'm singing, Gala. <laughs> if, I, if I get lost – I just go back to the chorus and I go one more time and we do it again. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're going to seal 144,000, 12,000 of each tribe. In verse five, it says of the tribe of Judah, 
sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben, sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad, sealed 12,000. Tribe of Aser, I'm going to just brush through these. Nephilim, Manassas, Simeon, Levi, Issachar. Wouldn't you like to be of the tribe of Issachar? It says that the sons of Issachar came and helped David when he, when he brought all the kingdom to him, both Israel and Judah. And he said that the sons of Issachar, it said that, uh, that they had an understanding of the times yep. and that they knew what Israel ought to do. I, I, I'm always looking for people who have an understanding of the times and know what we ought to do. Yeah. That's that we need to find more people like that. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed twelve thousand. The tribe of Benjamin were sealed twelve thousand. Now, they usually don't include Joseph because. He is usually included as Ephraim, Manasseh, his two sons that yeah. Moses, uh, that that uh, Abraham, bah, excuse me, that Jacob put his blessing on on his yeah. deathbed. Also, not mentioned here uh, is Ephraim is not mentioned as one of the twelve, and they put Joseph in his place. And Levi is usually not numbered because they have the service of the temple. God told Moses not to number Eli, not to number Levi, because they had the temple service. There's another person missing, another tribe missing of the twelve, and that's Dan. And I believe there's a reason for this. The reason that Ephraim goes back to Hosea, and 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 it will be Ephraim the tribe will be dealt with, and they will be have a chance to be a part of the remnant. But for whatever reason that God had, they're not included in the ceiling of this 144,000. And that was, the, that was the, the one of Joseph's sons. Uh, in uh, verse 17 of chapter 4 of Hosea, uh, Hosea is making a prophecy and he says, Ephraim is joined unto idols. Let him alone. And then in chapter 8, it said that Ephraim is a wild ass and then he's hired lovers and he's conspired with the Assyrians and they were the great northern kingdom that were coming down to destroy Israel about a hundred years before yeah. Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed Judah. So there are some reasons there. Uh, if we go back to Genesis chapter 48, I believe that's why I grabbed my Bible on that last song and was flipping to, to make sure I knew it was in the right place. Uh, it was actually chapter 49. 48 is when he blesses Ephraim and Manasseh separately, and then he blesses all of his other sons. Well, he gets down to Dan, and he has a weird thing to say about Dan. He's not... You know, he's not completely praising every one of his sons. He gives them a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. And he says a strange thing about verse 16. It says, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. And a lot of people think that, well, this was, this was fulfilled with Samson. He was of the tribe of Dan. He was a Danite. Uh, a lot of people think that this might be him judging his people 
in a wrong way. And I'll explain that in a minute. It says in verse 17 that Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that his that he biteth the horse heels and, and the rider will fall off and go backwards. He said, I've waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Dan, old man Jacob, Israel, he's on his bed and he's blessing his kids. And when he blesses Dan, he says these weird things. And then he says, like a prayer, he looks up to God after he says what he says about Dan and says, I'm waiting for your salvation, God. It's like, I don't like what I just said about my kid. Now, let me tell you why this is the way it is. A lot of people think, I'm not dogmatic about this, uh, and there's, there's absolutely no way to prove it, but they suspect that uh, the Antichrist, when he comes, will be a Jew, obviously not a believing Jew, but that, but that, uh, that he may, he's probably of the tribe of Dan because of this prophecy. There's no way you can prove it. Dr. Wolford thought that that was true. Tim LaHaye thought that was true. I know this, that it's been suggested by men smarter than I am that it's true, but there's no way to prove it. But there is the glaring fact that both Ephraim and Dan are left out of this 12 tribes. Do you have have anything you want to add to that? I I just want to say that uh, it's from each 12 tribes of Israel. It's not Gentile at all. And, you know, what part of that does people not understand? Israel will have their 144,000 evangelists that will be preaching after the church is gone. And they'll bring in a a multitude of people to be saved. And uh, it will be a fantastic revival, be incredible. There'll be people saved by the millions, I believe. And, And from what I've read in the Bible... Even comparing the great revival they had under King Hezekiah, that big revival they had under King Josiah, even even reading in the Bible the various uh, the revival, reading in the Bible the various revival movements that happened, and looking at revival movements throughout history, uh, going all the way back to the Reformations, and then going back to the the modern revivals, this latter-day reign, this latter-day revivals we were talking about, like Azusa Street and the Welsh Revival and the Jesus Movement of the 70s. I got saved right at the first of that. Um, the biggest revival that I've ever read about or heard about is going to take place after the rapture. It's true. And we talked about Maybe James tribulation. said that, that we, there's nothing to say that God can't have a great move and do whatever he wants to do right now. And sure. I'm all for it. I'm going. Let's do it. But I do know that one thing, no matter what happens, there's going to be a revival after the rapture that's going to be bigger than anyone we've ever seen about or read about in our lifetime. Right. So... Uh, but anyway, those are the reasons, uh, some of the reasons why Dan and, and Ephraim are not mentioned there. If you read this ahead of time, you probably thought that, well, where, you know, why isn't it there? There's another theory that has even less credence, but it's been written about a lot. They spilled a lot of ink about it. I'm sure you've heard this, that Judas Iscariot was from the tribe of, was from the tribe of Dan. And I don't know how you prove that. He never, he never said he was from the no, tribe of Dan. There's no record. All we do is we have the glaring omissions of those two tribes. But in Isaiah and in Jeremiah 
And at the end of Ezekiel, all the tribes will be gathered together again, all of them. And that includes Ephraim and Dan. So whatever's going on here, he doesn't explain it to us except by what he doesn't say. And he doesn't say that Dan and Ephraim are a part of that. And, uh, and so after this, I beheld, after the sealing of these people, doesn't say how long after, but they would have to be, it would have to take place sometime during the Great Tribulation because the Great Tribulation's already started. We've had the well, sixth seal. Yeah, and you need to understand, too, that the rapture could take place, and there may be a space of years before the signing of the covenant, the, the, the 70th week of Daniel, that last seven years, doesn't start till the signing of a covenant with the Antichrist, with, with Israel. So the church could be gone for years before actually this happens. So, you know, I believe God's given a space for people to repent, to get right with him. You know, this nonsense teaching that people can't get saved after the rapture, that's nonsense. Because uh, you, can, you can give your heart to Christ. Jesus doesn't stop being Savior after the church is taken home. And, you know, James has talked about in our discussions, we usually get together on Thursday. This week we got together on Monday because we had some, some, I mean, probably sinful eating plans. Yeah, we had some Thursday. eating to do. Yeah, we did. Uh, we yeah. had... Committed but, crimes against body and mind on Thursday. I hired a hitman for my turkey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would have got down on my knees, but I was afraid I couldn't get up, you know, to ask <laughs> forgiveness for the gluttony. But, you know, I've never heard a sermon in a Baptist church or a, a Pentecostal church against gluttony in my life. But... We're not going to start well, now. You know, we're not going to start. We're not going to start. We're not going to start now either. Don't, you know, don't you, don't, you, don't you drag that into my church? <laughs> we're, we're not going <laughs> to. You know, you know, we don't need that kind of negativity around here. That's right. <laughs> don't want the, that negative thinking. The, the main point of the hundred forty-four thousand is God is not going to be without a witness, and He's going to have a hundred and forty-four thousand dynamic evangelists. That is not only going to usher in millions of Jews, but they're going to bring in millions of Gentiles. And you're going to have tribulation saints. We need to remember, tribulation saints are not the same as church saints. Right. Tribulation saints are people who get saved after the church is taken home. And we need to understand that those tribulation saints, God gives us a grace period there, you know, people to get right with the Lord. Some of these uh, tribulation saints will... Some of them will starve to death. Some of them will be killed in war. Some of them will be killed by the sword. Everybody thinks, you know, everybody's going to line up to them guillotines and everybody's going to have their head chopped off. We need to understand that the, the main mode of execution in the Great Tribulation is the beheading. But that's also the main mode of the ISIS and Hezbollah to, to sever the head from people's bodies. And so we need to understand that the sword is, the army will use the sword to behead. The, the, um, the person that's out there, the renegade, will use a knife to behead. And then uh, governments will use guillotines to behead. Uh, and it'll be a public skeptical. And so there will be beheadings. But uh, get it out of your head that everybody's going to have their head cut off. No, um, that's not true. 
there's going to be millions that will happen to, but some will die of starvation, some will sure. die of hunger and, and pestilence and disease. Yes. Some will die of being stabbed, shot. I believe that will be a main uh, mode of execution, shooting people. Execution style. I can see a lot yeah. of a lot of uh, ex I can see a lot of instances where you'll have people that you know you can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Well, they can't buy or sell, so they're you know they're out in the woods grubbing around and hiding from the soldiers and hiding from the state, and and they could starve to death. You know, because they're not able to get food. You get maybe some. You know, I can see a lot of situations now where where people, you know, are like stocking up their basements with food and stuff. You know, maybe they'd be killed. People killed and shot over. You know, those sacks of flour you got piled up in the basement or something. Well, you know? let me say this: I'm not opposed to people saving food. You know, if if you want to save food, I mean, there could be hard times. So I'm not against anybody saving up food because. Yeah. You know, you could have an earthquake, you could have anything. So, you know, I'll encourage you to save up food, eat well, take care of yourself, and, um, and understand that what is going to approach after the catching away of the church, there's going to be a time when the government will start deciding how far you can travel. They'll decide how much money you can spend. They'll decide what you can buy, when you can buy it. They'll begin to control your finances. They will be control freaks. The government will become control freaks. And that will be in the process after the rapture of the church, and it will be leading up to the mark of the beast, yes. be leading up to yes. that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be an explosive thing after the rapture. Bam, you got to get this card or you got to get this uh, uh, number on your forehead. No, it will escalate into that, and they will bring a new world order. And they're already talking about it. Build Back Better program. Amen. And so after the rapture, they're going to want to build back better. Right. True. It's just like, just like what happened in, if any of you has read, uh, read The Harbinger by Jonathan Kahn, after, after the Twin City, after the Twin Towers came down on 9-11, you know, he said the first thing people said, he said, well, we'll we're going to build it back even bigger and better than before. And he starts using the parallels from Isaiah where he says, uh, you know, it says, well, they, 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 they blew down. You know, they tore down our 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 cedars. We'll build back with with oaks or something. Every, everything you're seeing now, everything you're seeing now is just a type and shadow of what's going to be multiplied millions of times over, and there'll be control over people's lives, and, and, and it will be hideous. And the 144,000 will be preaching. I'm convinced that the two witnesses will be the ones that will bring the 144,000 to the Lord. Uh, I don't, I haven't got any proof for that, but I, uh, the two witnesses show up pretty quick in chapter 11. Yep. And uh, there'll be 144,000 of uh, Jews with 12,000 from each tribe. And uh, they will have a multitude saved. Well, let's, let's move to that, right? Let's go ahead and just talk about the result of this 144,000 real quick, and we'll move to chapter 11, because that is the next witness that God gives himself. Not, maybe not in the order that they're here, because they're going to be preaching for, for three and a half years. And James believes that, 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 that they will lead the 144,000 to Christ. I think that's absolutely plausible. I mean, that's probably true. We don't have any information otherwise. We have very little information about that. Well, they can be saved 101 ways because you've right. got internet, you've got 
the media ministry. And you've got that I mean, gap of time between the rapture and the confirming of the covenant. So there's there's going to be, be a gap of time in there. But remember, there are 144,000 Jews, not Gentiles, right. Jews. And we need to remember that. And of the, Israel. after their ministry in verse 9, John says, after this I beheld and lo, he's having this vision, a great multitude which no man could number. Of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, Salvation to our God, which sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb. And the angels round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God and said, Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders, which uh, I can't be dogmatic about this, but I believe that those are church-age saints, those, probably those elders. Maybe I'll be the little elder that stands in the corner and goes get coffee for the, for <laughs> okay. the, for the, big, right. for the higher I, ups. I might know. start drinking coffee. <laughs> I'll bring you a Pepsi. It says, uh, it says, and one of the elders answered and said unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence come they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. In other words, he asked, asked John, Who are these people? And John says, Hey, I don't know. If you don't know, I'm out of luck. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> and, uh, and, he, and, I, and, and he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So the biggest revival that's ever going to happen that, that I've ever heard about is set to happen right uh, during the great tribulation. And they're there because of the ministry of the two witnesses and of the 144,000. That's right. And it's a lot more than 144,000 because they were able to number 144,000. This is a multitude that no man could number. The 144,000 were sealed by God. Mm -hmm. But these, Jew, these Gentiles are not sealed. They, they actually get killed. Uh, look at verse 16. And they shall hunger no more. Neither thirst anymore, meaning that they did hunger, they did thirst. Neither shall the sun light upon them, nor heat, meaning they did. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Now you stop and think about that. That's just incredible when you think about... You know, if the, if the rapture took place right now, get it out of your head that you've got to, you know, you've got to lose your head to go to heaven. You've got, if you miss the rapture, you've got to lose your head to go to heaven. If you miss the rapture, you've got to keep the commandments. There's only one way to be saved. That's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's very clear here that after the catching away of the church, you don't have a different way of salvation. It's the same way. Yeah. Jesus is the same thing. He's the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. And you have legalists today that of, of every denomination. You have legalists of every stripe who will try to tell you that, yeah, you can probably get saved during the, during, during the tribulation, and they'll, they'll couch it in holiness. They'll say, well, we're not going to limit God. God can do whatever he wants to do. And then they'll say that, uh, but you'll have to work for it. You know, you'll have to, you'll have to work for your salvation. 
And I don't read that anywhere. And then people in here. also say the church is here and God will put a bubble over and protect them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? He don't do that now. What do you think he's going to do in the great tribulation? Pe people will die. The church just won't be here. It'll be tribulation saints. And please hear me. When, when, if the catching away at church takes place and you miss it, pour your heart out to Jesus Christ, fortify yourself because it's going to get bad and it's going to get harder and harder to live for God. But you can still be saved. Yeah. And God will give you the grace if need be to put your head under a sword. God will give you grace to say no to the mark of the beast. God, but you're not saved by saying no to the mark of the beast. You're, right. You say no to the mark of the beast because you're saved. You've been changed. You're, you go to the chopping block and lose your head, not to be saved, but because you are saved. saved. You refuse to <coughs> go with the world system because you are, are saved. saved. You're not saved because you do any works. You're saved no. because the, they've washed themselves in the blood of the Lamb, Scripture says. Uh, you, you know, I just, while you were talking, I was thinking about your sermon on TV. Uh, say, uh, say the rapture happened tonight. And James said, well, it happened tonight. Well, tomorrow, if somebody comes down here and wants to see if we're all gone, <laughs> they can go back there in that office, in that library, that media room, whatever it is. And I've looked in there. They got every service y'all have ever done. I don't know going back how far. And they get, they can, they can play about five or ten minutes of that stuff and get all the gospel they need to get saved. And I, and I believe there'll be a massive revival. I believe, I believe the five foolish virgins coming back, they, they wouldn't have came back if they didn't have oil. They wouldn't have came back if their lamps weren't burning. They came back because they had oil. They came back because they found oil. They came back because their lamps were burning. And Jesus says, I don't know you, but that doesn't mean I don't know you, know you. It means you're not my bride. And so there'll be a carryover of the five foolish that turned out to be wise eventually and served the Lord. So, you know, uh, if you do miss the catching away of the church, that's your time to fortify. That's time to get ready because it's going to be a brief intermission before this thing really comes down. And then there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be turbulence. There's going to be fires. There's going to be pestilence. People are going to die by the millions. And you need to be prepared so that that strength of Jesus Christ, because there's not a second way to salvation. I mean, let's face it. It's the blood of the lamb or you're not going. Tribulation or, or before the tribulation. There's only one way to heaven. Yeah, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Right. You know, that's the, that's the whole thing right there is faith. It's belief. We all get saved the same way. The circumstances will differ, but we all got saved the same way. And then you stop and think, too, the church is no stranger to being burned at the stake. No. The church is no stranger to the beheadings and the, the being um, fed to hungry wild beasts in Rome. The church is no stranger to tribulation. So don't give me that stuff. The church has got to go through it. They have. Over and over and over again, the church has. But before God pours out his wrath, we're going home. That's right. And if you miss it, that doesn't mean it's over for you. It just means it's going to be harder for you. And so buckle down, get full of Jesus, get your lamps burning, serve God. You'll probably die in the process but at least you'll die saved. Amen? Amen to that. 
Uh, we'll move to chapter 11, and we actually skip six of the trumpet judgments because the, the seventh seal is opened right after that the 144,000 in their revival, and that's when there's silence in heaven for a half an hour. The, the, uh, the, the last seventh seal judgment, that opens up the trumpet judgments. And then after the sixth trumpet judgment, during which the Euphrates is dried up, and of course we read reports about the Euphrates and places being dried up now. So when you, you know, we keep saying through these meetings, if you can see the shadows of the tribulation, then how close is the rapture? If you can see stuff happening that's going to happen in the tribulation and can only happen there, then how close the church, are we? The church could have been taken up years ago. Yes, it could be taken there up There is no time. signs to the There are no the signs church. except the grave. That great sign em, empty of grave. as Jesus died, went to the grave, rose yes. again. As Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the well, so shall the Son of Man spend three days and three nights in death in the heart of the earth. And that is the sign he gives the church. And by the way, that's the same sign he's going to bring back to Israel on the Mount of Olives. Yes. When he returns back to earth with his church. Yeah, this same Jesus. Same sign. Now, they want signs. Give us a sign. Give us a sign. Okay, you're going to have them running out your nose. You're going to have signs. And, and Israel's going to have lots of signs. Earthquakes, fires, <laughs> all kinds of horrible things. In chapter 11, this happens at about the midpoint of the tribulation uh, because, and it's parenthetical again too, it's something it that they, they put it in there at this point. You say, what is a parenthetical chapter? It's, it's when you're watching a movie and they say, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a parenthetical chapter. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Or, or Flashback, you, you, yeah, soap opera. Something going on over here. Exactly. You're uh, watching the movie and you already don't understand it. And then they go back to when the hero or the heroine was a kid. And then you have to figure out what's going on with them then and tie it into what's going on now. Then, then Makes you your head hurt. theological head trying to figure it out. It's like a Hallmark movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this is the second witness that God leaves himself. And there's two witnesses, but I'm talking about the second manner of witnesses that we have listed. As James mentioned, since this is parenthetical and out of order, of a linear order, then, then we could say that it could just as well have happened before the 144,000. Because it's not on the timeline. What we do know is the two witnesses do preach for three and a half years. Yeah, for 42 months, 42 before months. Before they're killed. Let's just jump into this and talk about it. Because I don't want, to, I don't want Tell the, them time, the two witnesses time are. to get away with us. Tell them who the two witnesses are. Oh, yeah. you got to do that. Let's see. I mean, come on. we got to get everybody. Gala told me who they were the other day. Get them all um, shook up. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I believe that... Uh, I believe that they are Moses and Elijah. They can be somebody else, and we'll go into that. Let me read the. Let me read the passage. Okay. And then we can get into it. All right. And uh, and you can say what you want to say, which I agree with well, anyway. But and then we'll, we we can save this for questions because I'm sure there will be some disputation on this. Again, it's hard to be dogmatic because we have limited information, but we have. We have some uh, indications where you can make a deduction. And there was given me, John, 
a reed like unto a rod. And the angel said, uh, stood and said, Rise, measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. So see, there's going to be a temple built. We know there's going to be a temple during the tribulation because uh, the, the beast, the Antichrist, is going to defile it, just like Antiochus Epiphanes did yep. uh, 165 B.C. In the time of Maccabees. It said that... Uh, it said, but the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city, and they shall tread underfoot for forty and two months. That's three and a half years. Now, Brother Harris, I thought you said that, that most commentators think that the Antichrist will be a Jew because it says he will not regard the, 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 the God of his fathers, which is a heavily Jewish phrase, Pastor. But uh, he could be a non-believing Jew. He could be a racial Jew. He could not believe at all. He could not believe in the religion of his fathers, which would make him a Gentile in the truest sense of the word, which just means infidel or unbeliever. True. And there is a possibility that the first beast coming up out of the, uh, out of the sea could be a Gentile religion. Uh, a political leader. You mean like the, and the maybe the president of France the, or the, something? The Jewish, <laughs> the Jewish prophet, the false prophet. And and that, that makes perfect sense because most prophecy teachers and and I'm not a, I'm more of a prophecy student. I'm not a scholar. I don't. I'm not. I'm not disciplined enough to be a scholar, so I just have to be a student. But uh, but most most teachers believe that. Uh, that the 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 beast the, the, that forms would be a, a a new formation of the old Roman Empire from yes. from within those lines where the old Roman Empire was because of some things that John says earlier in this chapter. I think it would be a mixture of Babylon, a mixture of Medo Persian Empire. I believe it'll be a mixture of the Grecian Empire and Rome. And Rome. I think it'll be a League of Nations. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, an evil league. That's right. An evil league of nations. Uh, 20,000 sins under the sea. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. Now, here we go. And they shall prophesy 1,203 score days. That's roughly three and a half years. Yeah. Clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouths and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. They have the power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn into blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their, their testimony, oh, this is beautiful, you know, God doesn't take you home till your job's finished. I love that. Right. And when they have finished their prophecy, their testimony, the beast that ascendeth up out of the bottomless pit, the beast that came out of the earth, uh, uh, shall make war on them. He's known as the false prophet, and he, and he promotes the first beast that came, rose up out of the sea, as James alluded to a minute ago. Shall make war with them and shall overcome them and kill them, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So you know it's Jerusalem. 
And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall neither not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth, they shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them and they stood upon their feet And great fear fell upon them which saw them, and they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither, where we heard that before. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. That'll be televised. It'll be televised. Well, try to fake news that one. (laughs) Well, God's going to see to it they're not buried. Uh, you know, you, you read that and you think, how barbaric is that? They're, they're passing out gifts and they're celebrating. Well, you need to think back what they did when 9-11 hit America. You think, think back what they did over in other countries, how they celebrate when, some, when, when blood is shed. So, yes, it's barbaric, but it will happen. And they'll celebrate that the two witnesses are dead. I just want to see the look on their faces when they come back up. Now, the question is, who are the two witnesses? I know. I said, <laughs> I said Moses and Elijah, and my reasoning for that is twofold. And I'm going to let James talk about this because he's, he's, preached, he's preached a lot of sermons on this. Uh, one of the reasons that I think it's Moses and Elijah is because they are the two that appeared to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw him in his glory. And, and the disciples saw Jesus the way he was going to look in his glory. And the, the other reason I think it was Moses and Elijah was because these miracles listed here Verse are a six. summary of the miracles that Elijah and Moses did. So I'm not going to be dogmatic because it doesn't come I'm out and say, be well, it's your church. You can be dogmatic. I'm going to be dogmatic. <laughs> But I'm saying, given the information that we have, I believe it, it is Moses and Elijah. Okay, you have people that argue the fact that it's Enoch. And the big argument is he didn't die. Well, got news for you folks. When the rapture takes place, we ain't dying. Amen. <laughs> and you need to understand, too, that Enoch was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. And the church is birthed out of a Gentile race of people. And it was before the flood. Enoch was translated according to um, Genesis uh, chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. Enoch was translated. In fact, verse 21 and 22, he had a baby called Methuselah at 65 years old. Enoch had a baby called Methuselah. What a name. That's what I tell him I am at McDonald's. I like that name. Taco Bell. He was 65. The Bible says he started walking with God. Trust me, you have babies, you'll start walking with God. And Enoch walked with God, and the Bible says he was not because God took him. Genesis 5, 24, Enoch walked with God. He was not, for God took him. Russia has cosmonauts. America has astronauts. God has was-nots. Was-nots. And he was not. He was caught up. To be with the Lord. He was a him was not. Yeah. Now you need to understand according to Hebrews 11.5, they looked for him, couldn't find him. And so 
Enoch was translated. He was raptured. He was caught up before the judgment of God. And that's exactly what the church is going to see. We're going to be caught up before the judgment of God. You say, well, what about Hebrews 9.27? It's appointed unto men, wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Well, it doesn't say that every man's got to die. Come on, trust me. God's not going to bring us back to the valley of Megiddo and say, okay, everybody lay down, die, and then raise us up again. No, when we get raptured into the presence of the Lord, we ain't dying. In fact, I refuse to die if Jesus shows up. Amen? Not going to come back and die. I'm going to live forever and be caught up just like Enoch was. Something else about Enoch, you brought it out. Elijah and Enoch, uh, Elijah and Moses represent Elijah the prophets, Moses the law. The That's prophets right. and the law. The law and the prophets. So Moses and Elijah, and, and we're, we're, we're sure that in Malachi 4 verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of, of that day and dreadful day of the Lord. Well, when Jesus come, it was not the dreadful day of the Lord. But when he comes again, it it's going to be. be the dreadful day of it the will. Lord. And hello, great tribulation. Hello. hello. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, uh, all of a sudden, I kind of like went out and I didn't have any sound. I'm yeah. sorry. You're good. But uh, I could probably hear me even if I didn't have any sound. Yeah, but they can hear you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, one thing about Elijah that I always thought was funny, I believe God is a great, in a way, a great practical joker. I, one of the most horrible and at the same time funniest chapters of the Bible is when they're in the wilderness in Numbers crying for meat, and he says, I'll give them meat till it comes out their nose. <laughs> And he, he causes all those quails to die there on the edge of the camp, and they go out and gather. And it said that he, they were stricken with the plague while the meat was still stuck in their teeth. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and what scares me, too, is that in Psalms, uh, it says that he gave them their request, but, see, he sent leanness into their souls. And so a lot of times when we get a prayer answered, it's not what we expected it to be. And the funny thing about Elijah is, is when he ran from Jezebel and laid down and could, didn't want to go any farther, and the angel came and fixed him a cake and gave him a cruise of water, and he said, I just want to die. He said, I'm not better than my father. Now he's going to get to it. I want to die. And God has said, hey, I'm answering your prayer. You're finally going to get to die. <laughs> and Elijah says, oh, just kidding, Lord. I didn't really mean that. You, know? <laughs> you, you look at Moses and look, look at Moses and Elijah. We have a prophecy. In fact, they met with Jesus on Mount Transfiguration, Mark 9, Luke 9, Matthew 17. They discussed the coming glory of Jesus and his decease and, uh, that would be accomplished in Jerusalem, his death. And, uh, and so you, you look at this and you see Moses and Elijah discussing the death of Jesus Christ. And so Moses goes up. Where does he go? He goes up before they cross over into promised land. And someone said, well, Moses, Moses uh, he, he couldn't go into promised land because he smoked the rock twice. Well, yes, that was a bad deal because Jesus only dies once. But that's not the main reason Moses did not get to go into promised land. The main reason Moses did not get to go into the promised land is Moses represents the law. 
And you cannot be saved by the law. It only convicts you and shows you that you're inadequate. It is Joshua, Joshua that took them across into the promised land. And so Moses wasn't allowed to go. He went up on Mount Nebo, top of Mount Pisgah, the land of Moab. And uh, that's found in Deuteronomy 34. And God smothered him to death with Holy Ghost kisses. <laughs> and then God just buried him and let, not let anybody know about it. And then the devil comes along in Jude verse 9. Michael, the archangel, contends with the devil because the devil disputes about the body of Moses. That's right. The devil wanted the body of Moses. Why did he want the body of Moses? He wanted the body of Moses because in Deuteronomy 34, his body had not, his natural, uh, natural uh, life did not abate. His eyesight was perfect. I don't think Moses could have decomposed. I think he was with God so much that his body couldn't decompose. And I think that's why the devil wanted his body. Because the body had been with God so much that the body could not decompose. God just put Moses to sleep, Holy Ghost kisses, and his body doesn't rot because he had been around God too much, too long. If you can be around God too much, I'm not going to say you can do that. But obviously, the devil wanted the body of Moses because... There was a reason, and that reason was, I don't think the body of Moses could have rotted. And I think today, his body somewhere still not decomposed because he spent too much time with God. And, that, and he'll come back in that body during the great tribulation with Elijah. I believe that with all my heart. I, I believe that the two witnesses is Moses and Elijah for several reasons. And uh, I give you my reasons. I believe it's true. Uh, Enoch was a Gentile. He's a picture of the raptured church before the judgment of God. And Moses is the law, and Elijah is the prophets. And the law of the prophets come in the great tribulation period to present the blessing of the Lord. What do you think, Jimmy? Well, I, you know, there's, there's a, another thing that, that I would just like to mention. I agree with everything you said, of course. I mean, that's that's straight down the line stuff. Um, I'm not exactly sure what a, a body that wouldn't decompose would look like, but uh, I know that it must be a special deal or Satan and Michael wouldn't have been fighting over it. It says in Deuteronomy th 34 that God buried Moses. Yeah. In, in Jude, it says that, that Michael was there fighting over the body with Satan. And now, no, this one, is, this no one what, knows where that body is Nobody knows day. where it is. But this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that, that God didn't actually bury Moses. God pitched Michael a shovel. He says, <laughs> you, you need to go down here and take care of Moses. I don't think God actually would. But because we find Moses, we find Michael there fighting with the archangel. Whatever the situation was, Michael was on the scene fighting with Satan. By the way, Michael is the, uh, is the angel for Israel. That's right. Just like Gabriel the is warring the, angel for the, Israel. Arch, the warring angel for the church. He's associated with all the, the epiphanies that have to do with the surrounding of the birth of Jesus. And he's also one that appeared to, to Daniel a couple of times and talked about Michael, the defender of the people. Yeah. 
And there'll be a lot of people in this room says, I still think it's Enoch. Well, that's fine. You can go ahead and believe that. Just remember that the whole church is getting out of here and we ain't dying. That's right. We're not dying. We're going to be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. And uh, God's got that witness going. Amen. One thing about this is, is after three, it says oh, the whole world saw their dead bodies for three and a half days. And then the whole world saw them stand up on their feet. And I used to think it back in the 70s when I, when I became a, just a devoted prophecy student because of the late great planet Earth. Uh, I, I'd only been a Christian about three years, and that book came out, and I, I devoured it, you know. And then he would write one a year, and, and I would just devour it all them, too. I had all those old paperbacks. But I couldn't understand how the whole world could see him at one time. And then... And I don't know, I can't remember whether it was 71 or 70 or 71, 72. You had that, you had that, uh, the Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier fight, the Thriller in Manila. And it was on satellite, pay-per-view. You went to movie houses to watch it. It was all over the world at the same time. See, beforehand, you would shoot film and you would send it to a studio and they would air it. And uh, and that that's how that's how they but with satellite transmission and then Elvis did his big show in Hawaii in like seventy one or seventy two and it was Elvis live in Hawaii and the whole world saw it on TV at the same time. No matter where you were in the world, you saw it at the same time. So that technology did not exist when I was twelve years old or thirteen years old reading these verses. That technology did not exist. Now we don't think anything about it. They just, we flip on the TV and there's a guy in Tel Aviv and there's a guy in Jerusalem and then here's a girl over in Cairo. It's everywhere. We could see, the whole world could see the same event at the same time. And until the last 50 years, people who studied the Bible, they had to wonder, well, how could this be? How could this, how, how could everybody see and at the same time, well, now you can. Look how quick it, technology has exploded. I mean, information age, technology exploded. Did you know when Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden, a cell phone would have worked if they had the means to put it together? Did you know it would have worked? If they'd had the instruments to put a cell phone together, they could have talked to whatever. Uh, all this technology was there back in the time of Jesus Christ when he walked the shores of Galilee. So this technology has always been here. Uh, God just made it available. And it, he could have um, increased that and excelled that any time after the catching away of the church. I could just imagine Adam and Eve with cell phones. They would be like our teenagers at the table, not talking but sitting there looking at their screen and texting each other. <laughs> or taking selfies. Here we are by this wonderful serpent. Doesn't he look good? Here, can we get a picture? Let's do the last, uh, the last form of witness, and then we can throw it open to questions. Yes, we need to have need questions. To this, this will move quick. After the 144,000 are in heaven, after so many that, that they led to Christ are in heaven, that multitude nobody could number, after the two witnesses have risen up into heaven when the voice says, come up hither. 
And the whole world sees them rise up and out of sight, just like a puffer balloon. You ever have a kid let go of his balloon at the fair or something, and it just goes and goes and goes? You think it just goes until it's a dot, and then you can't see it anymore. That's how they see these people descend into heaven. And the witnesses are gone. The big revival is past. But God still wants people to be saved. And said that he is long-suffering to us and unwilling that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And we find out just how dedicated he is to getting this gospel out when there's no witness left on the earth at this point. And we learn from chapter 12 that, that by now, the second half of the tribulation, the remnant of the Jews are being supernaturally protected by him. And we believe it will be in Jordan because of the verses at, yeah, at, at Petra, which is in modern Jordan. <laughs> it, was, it was in a place they called Idumea back then in Bible days. But, but uh, in Isaiah, it talks about how he comes back from Basra with his garments stained in blood. And that would have been after the Battle of Armageddon. And he goes and gets them. So... There are no, there's no organized preaching of the gospel on the earth at this point. And look what he does. Chapter 14, verse 6, John's seeing a vision again. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven. An angel now. Remember, angels are very curious about salvation. They want to inquire into things. about. Because one thing an angel has never been is saved. They watch other people get saved. They rejoice when we get saved. But never an angel got saved. They don't understand it. So they're looking. They're watching. Now, look look at this honor this angel gets. It says, in the midst of heaven, this angel, he has the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell upon the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people saying with a loud voice, I bet he's loud, he's loud and proud, he's getting to preach, man, finally. And it says, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. You see, he could have done that at any time. He didn't need us at all, but he he uses us. He continues to use us to get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. This proves that he don't need us to get the gospel out. He could do it himself. He could have the angels do it. But it's in his plan that we lead people to him. Josh, we got. Okay, we have questions and answers. Uh, I want to admit, uh, if you have a question, raise your hand. I'm, uh, while Josh is coming to you, I want to mention that before God pours out those last judgments, the vials. They haven't come yet. He goes into the temple. God does. Into the temple. No one can go in because of the fire and the smoke. And I believe God is sobbing and weeping. And he sends word out. Now you can go. And the last plagues are done. But first God goes into this temple. He just has a time where he cries it out because he doesn't want to destroy people. God's a good God. Amen. Uh, Bobby had his hand up. When you was talking about the rapture is going to take the church out, 
And then that's going to become the push from the Antichrist. You're talking about because the church won't be here to hold it back. That's true. That's true. That's and it will excel. Yeah, that's and, when it'll. That's when it'll begin to. And that that's kind of a grace period for those that's left behind to get their nails down and you know get it together because they're going to need all of God's power in their life to survive that's right. what's coming. That's right. Probably more of a comment than a question. Oh, it could be a question. The uh, beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit, uh, out of the bottomless pit, and I guess through the Antichrist kills the two witnesses. Can we give him a name if we go back to the fifth trumpet where the bottomless pit is opened, and the king of that bottomless pit, he would be the greatest, the strongest angel, and he's given the name Abaddon or, or Apollyon, the destroyer. Could be the that, destroyer. I think that's the same one, you know. If it's not, if it, hello, if it's not him, <clears throat> if it's not him, he comes in that spirit. Hey, I'm back again. If he's not that demon, one thing we've got to realize there that I believe, I don't know if you have to realize it or not, this is what I believe. Behind every idol, behind every icon, behind every false god, there is a devil. And that, that they are a real personality, and they make you think that they're real, that they're a god. Yeah. And that, that they, they, tra they, they pawn themselves off as ministers of light and yeah. good and truth. And that's what all these people see when they're, you know, contemplating their belly button and, you know, doing meditation they're all seeing and hearing devils. It was Paul makes it plain, the things yeah. that they sacrifice to idols, True. they sacrifice to devils. Yep. So if he if it if it ain't if it ain't him, if it ain't him as a guy, it's certainly coming in that spirit. Right. We only have that one verse that you're referring to to for information, and that's all it says. So we don't know. All right. Hey guys, I have a very simple one. I apologize, everybody probably a little bit ill. Um, so, uh, is it? Are you still saved? If you, you are, you believe you are, but yet your life seems to be filled with chronic calamity, um, and just, just painfully chronic bad luck and, and calamity over and over again. Is everything a test at that point? Faster. Do you understand that? Yes, even though your life is a mess and there are things in it that you wouldn't have, are you still saved? Well, if that wasn't true, some of us have to come down to the altar and get saved every week. Um, uh, you know, if we say that we have no sin, we're a liar. But the Bible says, son, it says that, that, that if we confess our sins to him, to the Lord that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So the way you know you're saved is not necessarily by how you're living. The way you know you're saved is by who do you trust. It's about who you know. Have you ever asked Jesus to come into your heart and take over your life? Have you ever surrendered to him completely? 
And that would be a day, you may not remember the day or have it written down, but you'll remember that just like the day you got married yeah. or like the day that your daddy died. You'll remember it as an event. And if that hasn't, if that hasn't happened, you need to come up and be saved tonight. And you got to remember, too, that no matter, no matter what bondage a person is in, God is a deliverer. Yes. And he may take drastic measures to deliver you, but God is always a deliverer. And if he has to take you out by death to deliver you, he can do that. But God is a deliverer, and you must trust him and ask him to get you out of the clutches because he, God's not limited. He, he has many ways to get you free. And he's a God that frees people. Yeah. Amen. If you make a mistake, that, um, like I did today, uh, which is something that I've made before, um, and I sought out the solution for it, and I got, even got help for it, and I still made the same mistake again, um, it's probably not going to completely destroy me. It's just going to be a lot of mess. But does that mean, is there hope to it? Yeah, there's hope, Pastor. There's always hope. There is always hope. There is always hope. Sure. I think something that the church has has really had a hard time with in the in the last I'm gonna say twenty years really. You see it. is the difference between the devil and the flesh. If you go to Galatians chapter five, starting in the 19th verse, it says the works of the flesh, flesh. are these. Now see, if you get to walking in the flesh, I, I preach a message called, whose menu are you on? The devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right. Well, what does a lion eat? Meat. If you're walking in the flesh, you're on his menu. And he's going to eat your lunch. <laughs> Amen. Well. Amen. And you're going to deal with the same thing over and over that you can't necessarily blame on the devil if it fits in that list of works of the flesh. That's, That's right. you. You can control that. Yes. And you got to want it so bad you're willing to die for it. You've got to want it so bad you're willing to give anything up to be free. Absolutely, the deeds of the Anybody flesh. Else? Um, earlier you were talking about some teachings that um, were like leading to the fact that you, like after the rapture happened, like you could have your head cut off and that would like mean salvation. Um, and you were saying that wasn't true. We, we don't believe that. Right, no. okay. yeah. I was just in the same regard. I had also... Um, her teachings about like if you'd get the mark of the beast like after the rapture happens then like it was impossible for you to be saved after that um, I just I guess I wanted to hear your thoughts on, on that on those teachings that is true if you take the mark and worship the beast you're doomed forever that is true but if you miss the rapture you've got a grace period in which you've got to buckle down you got to fortify yourself so that you don't do that. So that's, that's not something you fall prey to. Because 
you're going to have preachers out there tell you, well, you've got to lose your head or you've got to die in, in order to go to heaven. Well, no, you don't. People can lose their head and still go to hell. Right. And there's a reason they tell you you've got a, 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 a mark on your right hand or your forehead. Uh, the reason they say your right hand or your forehead is because you can cut your he- hand off. Yeah. But you can't cut your head off. And so, you know, they, they will take drastic measures for those that will cut their hand off, put them on their head. But what I want to get across is, is that if you take that mark, you're damned. You're damned forever. Uh, if, you, if you worship the beast and take that mark, you're damned forever. That's the bottom line. But it's something that, you, that will come on during the middle of the tribulation. It's not going to be at the start. And you're going to have to fortify yourself and get yourself prepared so that you're able to say no, able to starve to death, able to lose your head, able to refuse to mark, because they're going to, they're going to refine you to make, they're probably going to confine you to a 10 mile radius. Your, your, your uh, debit card, your money's not going to work 10 miles away. They're going to keep you, tell you what you can buy, what you can sell. That's all control freak. But it will escalate to the mark in the tribulation. Yeah, and, and works are, are not going to save you today, and it's not going to save you then either. You, you're getting your head cut off is not going to guarantee your salvation, but you probably will end up that way if you get saved in that time. Yeah, and you'll be willing to do it. And you'll really be saved. You'll be willing to say no, even if it means your death. And d- daughter, may I, may I just say this? It's a choice, you see. Just like, just like you would choose for Christ now. We're, James and I, we, we talked about this before this meeting. We'll probably come back to this. We still haven't talked about the beast, the Antichrist system, mystery Babylon. There's things we need to talk about, but we're just not going to do them right now. But let me tell you this. It's a decision, and the way I read Revelation 17 about this worship, uh, Revelation 13 about the, the worship of the beast, I had... Having chapters confused, it's 13, where it says that all that takes all that worship the beast. The mark of the beast has to do something with the ritual of worshiping him. It's a conscious choice. By taking the mark, it is a commitment to worship the beast. It is an act of worship. And it's going to be more centered in Jerusalem in that area. That's going to be more of the hot spot. That's going to be ground zero for that. And then you, the strong delusion that you should believe a lie. Preachers will use that. Well, if you miss the rapture, God's going to give you a strong delusion so you can't get saved. That strong delusion comes later. Right. That comes in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The strong delusion comes after the Antichrist, after he's revealed. After everybody knows he's in charge. The strong delusion will be given. God will give them a strong delusion that they will believe the lie. That's why you've got to get yourself prepared now so that you can go into rapture. Or if you miss the rapture, fortify yourself so that you're able not to be sucked in to this horrific right. tragedy, this tribulation. Yeah, I know we've been talking about Enoch and Moses and Elijah. Now, I know that since Christ has died and risen from the dead, we can have a rapture of people that are alive and still not face death. Right. But my wonder is, since Enoch was before that, would it not be necessary for him to die 
just as Elijah, because otherwise Enoch would be the first to never die again. And we know Jesus is the one that brought that power and that resurrection power. Well, Enoch, Enoch didn't raise from the dead. Enoch was just taken, was not. He didn't raise from the dead. Exactly. Jesus that, was the first to raise from the dead. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying, though, is, is it possible that he has to die? God is sovereign. God can do what God wants to do. Right. And if Enoch is a picture of the church before the wrath of God, I still stand to my guns that Enoch doesn't have to die. Because God chooses what he wants to choose as a type for the church. And, and, and may I say that, 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 that James and I both agree on this, that, that, it's, that it's Moses and Elijah. But there are many people, perhaps just as many people, who believe that it's Enoch and Elijah. And I've, I've read and heard that a lot. And, uh, and so uh, we feel that, this is, that the evidence for this is, is best. But... Again, I'm not going to... James will be dogmatic on it. I will because, <laughs> because it doesn't say that it's appointed unto all men, they must die. Right. It says it's appointed unto men and the species. And then there's die. those poor fellers that had to die twice. So we feel bad for those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Lazarus. We got yeah. Bobby up here. Bring him a mic. I think some people are really confused if they're really saved. I want to read something to you. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. Right. Amen. That's right. John five twenty four. right? Yeah, it's not everlasting life if you can lose it. And we're in it now. Eternity started for us the moment that we knelt at the cross. We're in eternity now. We've got to quit. We've got folks back in the back, and they're taking care of children, and they're probably wanting to hate us right now because we're going too long. They may already hate they us. They can't hate us and go to heaven. That's so, yeah, right. But anyway, we're glad you came, and we hope that you enjoyed tonight and uh, been good, learning. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and I'm really uh, grateful for these. I want you to know that I've enjoyed this. This is what I look forward to all week. I've had fun because we've, we've, prepared, we've prepared these things and, and, and tried to anticipate questions, and it's, it's, been, it's a great experience. Please remember, the rapture is so close. If you miss it, there's still hope. Amen. And no matter what you've done in your life, no matter where, how you've fallen, there's still hope. You just got to want it with all your life. You got to love not your life even unto the death. You've got to overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony and love not your life even unto death. And so it's important that we stay close to the Lord. I know you hear all kinds of things. You're already rebooted. You think, oh, I, I've been taught this all my life, and now it's hard to get reprogrammed. Well, you know, Jimmy and I just read the Scripture. We just showed you what the Bible says, and so you need to try to decide uh, if, is, if is God a good God or not. Is He a merciful God? Yes, He is. And everything that I've shared with you tonight shows His mercy. And Pastor, I just got one thing to say. 
Well, I usually have a lot of things to say. You do. But I haven't found the verse yet, but I'm absolutely convinced beyond a shadow of doubt that in my glorified body, I'm going to be much taller. Well, it could be. It could be that we may all be short like you and bald-headed. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Amen.